As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Hey, welcome back to this week's podcast. Um, our reviewer of the week is Andrea MN. MN, and she says, such a great podcast. I love listening to this. She has such a great, soothing, but energetic voice to listen to. And I love all of her knowledge she shares, as well as the birth stories we get to hear. Thanks for what you do. Andrea, you are not going to be disappointed today because I have Courtney Hart with me here again. If you guys had listened before, and I'll put this episode, this previous episode um, link in the show notes, but Courtney was with me as a labor and delivery nurse, and we had an excellent conversation um, all about birth and pregnancy and moms. Uh, for our last episode. And now you guys get to hear from her all about her incredible birth story that she's sharing with us today. So Courtney, take a moment, reintroduce yourself um, and anything about your family, and then we'll jump into your pregnancy and birth. Thank you. So I'm Courtney Hart. I am a labor and delivery nurse at an LDRP, so labor delivery recovery postpartum unit in um, a hospital. And I've been doing that for about three and a half, four years now. And I'm also a certified breastfeeding counselor and super passionate about all things women's health. I'm super excited to come back and share my birth story because it was just so positive and amazing. And I can't say enough good things about it. And I feel like your podcast had a lot to do with making my experience so great. So happy to share that with your listeners. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. Um, Okay, yes, let's talk pregnancy. Um, And I think, okay, so first of all, you work in the hospital that you gave birth at, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so when it came to your pregnancy and picking providers, I want to hear a little bit about that. I think... So you you had your first baby quite a while ago. Have you be, did you become yes. a labor and delivery nurse after or before that baby? I became a labor and delivery nurse after. Um, I had just okay. graduated from college the first time. I had a, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology, and then about a week after I graduated, I found out that I was pregnant. 
Um, and I fell in love with my labor and delivery nurses. And at that point, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do if I wanted to go back to school or exactly what I was going to do. But after that, I feel like it was decided for me. I was like, I want to be this for other women and to help them through this experience. And I just felt so passionate about it. So I went back to school um, to be a nurse specifically for labor and delivery. I don't have any interest in any other. God bless those other nurses that do med surge <laughs> and stuff. But I just this is where I'm at for a reason. So and that was I had my first baby. Uh, he just turned nine. So wow, yeah, about an eight so year neat. gap. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so were there things this pregnancy that you did differently from your last pregnancy since you've got the new knowledge and kind of that hands on experience from being a labor and delivery nurse? Yes, it was. I tried purposefully to do everything so differently. I mean, um, I had, I don't know if I would call it birth trauma because I feel like the process of the birth itself was okay. Um, I wasn't in labor for a super long time. I had a vaginal birth, but I did end up with a real, he was a, a very large baby for me. I mean, he was, um, nine pounds, four ounces. Um, and I was induced, I was after my due date, but I didn't really want to be induced. They were just thinking it was going to be a big baby. And he ended up being way bigger than they thought that he was going to be. So, um, I ended up with like a really bad tear. So the recovery was really nasty for me. Um, I feel like that part was traumatic, not necessarily the birth, but just the recovery. Um, and I wasn't really, I wasn't too healthy. I mean, I worked in a restaurant at the time. So I ate cheesecake every night, you know, my coworkers were giving me desserts and, you know, I was younger. So I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm eating for two, I can eat whatever I want. Um, so I gained a ton of weight, I gained about 60 pounds, I didn't exercise, because at that point in my life, I was just thin, I didn't really need to exercise. Um, and I just didn't feel great. Like all of the discomforts from pregnancy, I feel like were um, more I guess, compared to this time. So this time around, I was determined to like will myself to have a smaller baby um, if I could. <laughs> it turns yeah. out it's just genetics and my baby was <laughs> about the same size. But um, I exercised just like I did before pregnancy. I made some modifications based on how I was feeling and you know the bigger that I got and stuff. But I continued my exercise program um, and got eight to 10,000 steps a day, every day on top of exercising. So that's easy to do at work when I'm working 12 hour shifts as a nurse, but I would always make sure that on, um, my off days, I was getting my nice long walks in, even in like the hundred degree summer, Florida, South Florida heat, which was awful some days, but, <laughs> and then just ate super healthy and tried to, you know, gain just the recommended amount of weight, which I did. And everything was just so much easier this time around. Pregnancy wasn't nearly as hard. The recovery wasn't nearly as hard. And I just felt better. I love that you say that because that's nine years later. So nine years mm -hmm. older, you know, as a woman, which your body changes a lot, especially after having a baby and then the amount of the lapse of time there. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome to hear that making those healthy modifications, those really good modifications made a difference for you. I love that yeah. you're sharing that. Were there things with this pregnancy that kind of stood out to you? Did you have anything that was funky or weird? Or do you have a lot of nausea? Anything that stands out for your pregnancy? I with my first I didn't have any nausea whatsoever. And I did a little bit this time around. I never got sick. But I had a lot of really weird food aversions and nausea in the beginning. Um, and then right around um, like 28 weeks, I had like a displaced rib that caused me a lot of pain, but I feel nice. like after then it, I know. So I had to stop like using weights when I exercise at that point. And mm. there was, um, 
a lot, like a string of like a week and a half in a row where I was pretty much in pain unless I was in like a hands and knees position. Um, and it made sleep difficult, but I feel like once he dropped a little bit, maybe that's when it resolved. Cause it just kind of resolved on mm. its own. Yeah. And then I did, I was GBS positive. So, but other than that, that was the only, everything else was ship shape. Love it. Will you share a little bit if you're comfortable about being GBS positive and what you chose or didn't choose to do and maybe the why behind it, especially because I feel like you've got that medical or like the, you know, labor and delivery nurse. You've seen a couple of things here and there. And I'm always curious about how that decision's made. So I was super bummed, number one, because I don't think I've ever taken antibiotics, but I feel like my immune system is super strong and always has been. My gut microbiome is amazing. I have like an iron gut. um, And I feel like that's one of the reasons why my immune system is so good. I never get sick. Um, And I was super bummed about having to take the IV antibiotics. To me, it wasn't like I've seen a baby sick with GBS. And so for me, that was the main I mean, I know that it's rare, but for me, that was the main um, factor that played a part in my decision to get the antibiotics. Um, and I knew, well, I hoped, I, I had a pretty good feeling that just based on how well I was taking care of myself this time, that I wasn't going to be like a super lengthy induction or whatever, um, and that we could time it right so that I could just just get the two doses and and not have to be overloaded with antibiotics. So, um, so I did get the antibiotics. Another reason I was bummed was because usually... Um, if you're GBS positive, even if you get the recommended two doses of antibiotics, the pediatricians want to keep your baby for 48 hours. At least that's how it is at my hospital, how the pediatricians practice. But I have a good report with the pediatrician. So, um, (laughs) I convinced them to let me go home after one day. I'm like, I know all the signs I'll, you know, go back to the hospital if something goes wrong. So that wasn't an issue, but that was something that I was worried about. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay, tell me a little bit about your providers. So I like to hear that too, because I I mean, I feel similarly is like I get to be a doula in different hospital settings and birth spaces. And so I'm like, ooh, I like this provider. Ooh, I like that. You know, how did it go for you picking your provider? And was if you chose somebody that was at your hospital that you know that you have rapport with, was it awkward for you at all? Not awkward at all. I feel like this is just what we do for a living. So there's never been any, I never thought twice about delivering there or having a provider that I know, or even having like some of my closest friends at work be there for my birth. Um, I actually approached my provider when we were thinking about trying to get pregnant again. And I had an IUD at the time. So I'd asked her like, I had switched, um, transferred over into her care. And I'd asked her like, um, you know, I'm wanting to get my IUD taken out. We're trying to get pregnant. Would you, um, feel comfortable? Like, would it be okay if you manage my labor and delivery and pregnancy? And I knew I'd have to see the other providers, you know, for some appointments, cause that's how they do it at their practice. They, um, rotate through the providers and I, I know them all and I love them all, but, and she was like, yes, absolutely. I'm so honored when, um, you guys as nurses, you know, trust us during this time, you know, bringing your child into the world. So, um, and I chose her because I'd attended births with her before and she's always very, she's an obstetrician, but she kind of practices more the way she is with her patients. I feel like I see the midwives behaving more that way. Like she's very, very patient. Um, if she has a, um, opinion on a course of action, um, you know, she'll present benefits, risks, alternatives, and then, 
Um, she doesn't rush the patient. She kind of is just very respectful about what they want. Um, and just the environment is, is calm and soothing. And she, she kind of just like trusts the, um, the birthing person and the birthing process. Um, and I've seen a lot of deliveries with her, um, where she lets the dads deliver the babies. And usually that's more of like a midwife thing to do, but Mm, I love it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. All right. How about your preparation? What were the things that you did every day or you like really took on as like your own thing? You talked about nutrition. You talked about Mm -hmm. some exercise that you did. Um, Were there things within like from the podcast or um, just anything, anything that you're like, this is part of my routine and practice. And then kind of along that line, like same question with your birth partner. Like, how did you get him involved? So um, I think he wanted to be involved from the very beginning, because I feel like we both the last time, like I said, we were so young, we didn't know what we were doing. We took, um, you know, a community birth course. But other than that, we didn't do a whole lot preparing for the actual labor itself. Um, So he was on board with whatever I wanted. Um, Around 23 weeks, we did the spinning babies course, which is all about like Mm. different movements and exercises prenatally and during labor and delivery to help the baby move through the pelvis um, for an easier birth process. Um, so we did that and we started doing the, um, their daily exercises every single day. Uh, and he was very encouraging. Like when I would get home from a 12 hour shift, I'm like, I really don't want to do these exercises. He would, you know, (laughs) encourage me like, you know, this is part of the process. We need to prepare, you know, it's going to help us in the end kind of thing. So we did that. And then I think I found your podcast right around the same time. And I listened to almost every single episode, um, I think you had an episode specifically for partners. So I had him listen to that. And I think there was a dad on that one, maybe that wrote a book. And mm-hmm. I think he read the book. We got the book from the library. Oh, nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, I read the another book called Mindful Pregnancy. I forget who wrote it. Maybe Deepak Chopra. I'm not sure. Um, but that had some uh, good advice in it as well, as far as like diet and exercise goes. Um, so the spinning babies exercises. Um, the three main ones are like inversion, squatting. Um, I can't think of the other one right now. Rebozo, maybe I don't remember, but, um, I don't know spinning babies, but you're talking about our three daily ones right now. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're they're, missing they're, is the pelvic tilt. <laughs> they're very similar. Yeah. yeah. So, As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. So the spinning babies taught my husband how to do the rebozo and how to assist me in all of those moves. So we did those religiously every single day. Um, We did um, from your episode on relaxation, we incorporated all those different things. So, um, the positions, we use the birthing ball, um, different types of massage, different types of touch to figure out what would feel good, which is kind of, it's kind of hard when you're not having contractions to, yeah. to 
kind of think like what would what would feel good if I was having a contraction but just like to to learn what kind of touch in general what kind of positions were comfortable as my belly got bigger um getting in the bathtub essential oils we got all the doTERRA essential oils that you recommended including including the the balance blend that you talk about I love that one um, and then toward the end, I think you did an episode on curb walking too. So when I was taking my walks every day, I would incorporate curb walking as well, trying to get myself into labor. Nice. And at what point did that, did things kind of like kick off? So take me through that like first contraction. <laughs> Let's hear this birth story. So I was having contractions, not regularly, but consistently. So never in a regular pattern, but consistently since I was like 28 weeks. So there was like a scare there for, you know, a little bit, like mm-hmm. maybe I'm going into preterm labor, but they were never, they never like changed my cervix or anything. So my doctor was like, this is just what your body does apparently. So it is what it is. Um, but they never got stronger, you know, it never got stronger or longer or anything like that. So towards the end, we actually had our, um, busiest month ever at my hospital. Um, we broke a record for births and the couple of weeks. So I delivered, I was 39 weeks and three days. Um, and in the weeks leading up to it, I, we would joke at work. Like I was scared to go into labor because I'm like, we have no rooms. Like, where are you guys going to put me? My friends would joke like, Oh, we'll decorate the pack you for you, or you can deliver in (laughs) triage or the OR or whatever. So I was like scared to go into labor, but Um, it got to a point where, um, I was working, it was my weekend. I work with the same weekend crew every weekend that I work. And it was just like best case scenario. Like it was my weekend crew and my favorite room was available and the staffing was great and the floor wasn't too busy. And I'm like, I want to go into labor this weekend. So I had my provider strip my membranes, um, at my 39 week appointment. Um, which was a couple of days after I was 39 weeks. So nothing really happened that day. Um, I went to work the next day and, um, I had an assignment that didn't allow me to really walk around a lot. My supervisor was like, you know, we want you to take it easy today. So we gave you, you know, this assignment, basically I just was like sitting in the nurse's station with these babies. Um, but I got out the birthing ball and I was doing my positions and my exercises and nothing was really kicking off. So my provider wasn't on that weekend either, but I had kind of debriefed with her beforehand. It was like, listen, like realistically, um, are you going to be able to make it to my birth if you're not the provider that's on? And she's like, yeah, I just need notice. And if she wasn't able to make it, I was super comfortable with the provider that was on. So another reason, like I said, the stars all aligned. My favorite mm-hmm. anesthesia provider was on. <laughs> it was just everything's perfect. So I was like, I want to go into labor. So the provider that was on was like, let's strip your membranes again. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we waited to the end of my shift and she stripped my membranes again. And, um, another part of it was that, so I know I delivered, I think the last time when I was 40 weeks and four days, and I know how big my baby was and that whole recovery process and everything that occurred because of that. And I wanted to just go into labor just a little bit sooner because of that. Um, I mean, I know some women can have big babies. All women can have big babies. You know what I mean? I just know for me, I just didn't want that to happen again. So I'm like, I I didn't want an induction, but I'm like, if I can get this to get going on its own beforehand, you know, the sooner the better. Um, I was also taking the primrose oil too, twice a day. Um, So anyway, so she stripped my membranes again that at like five or five thirty, my shift ends at seven thirty, 
And within a half an hour of her doing it, um, I started noticing stronger contractions right away. She also ultrasounded me right before because I, I just had a feeling that he was posterior. Um, just because of the contractions that weren't, I was already like three to four centimeters dilated, but I had been that for like two weeks and the contractions weren't getting in a regular pattern um, and they weren't getting stronger. So that can kind of um, cue you into maybe the baby's in a posterior position and then every once in a while, like I would just be walking along and then it just felt like I was getting punched in the butt. So like some type of weird, like, <laughs> right. like he turned his head against my spine or something. So, and sure enough, he was direct, like she put the ultrasound thing on my belly and she's like, Oh, there's his face. He's looking right at me. <laughs> so I was so discouraged because mm. I was just like all of the spitting babies things that I've been doing for the past 20 weeks and I have a posterior baby. Like, are you hmm. kidding me? I was ready to swear off spinning babies and be like, this doesn't work. <laughs> and, but like my friends at work were reassuring me. They're like, you know, no, once, you know, it's time he'll rotate and get in the right position and everything will be fine. So they, I knew a difference right away within a half an hour of her stripping my membranes that something was, I had a lot of the back labor, um, but they were painful um, to the point where I was like breathing through them at work um, my shift was almost over. So my, um, charge nurse was like, do you want to be admitted? Do you want to stay here and like walk around the hallways for a little bit? And I was like, no, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get in the bathtub. And she was like, are you sure you don't want to go get in the bathtub in the room down the hall? And I'm like, no, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get in the bathtub, do my exercises, try to get him to rotate. Um, and then also my work bestie who had agreed to labor me, I was like, well, shoot, I didn't really plan that very well because if I, you know, we just got off of a shift, I'm not going to call her in in the middle of the yeah. night. She's got to be back to work <laughs> tomorrow too. So I went home and I got in the tub. My in-laws came and they picked up our older son. And so my husband, um, we sat in the tub and, um, he was rubbing my back and we played, um, our playlist that we had put together, uh, for a little bit. And then we did the miles circuit and that mm. was challenging, but I swear, I swear by it. I swear yeah. it works. I just did it with a patient like a week ago because awesome. I, I just swear it works. And I, I think I heard about that on your, um, probably. Podcast and too. I swear it works yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. So, um, the mile circuit for anybody who hasn't heard of it or doesn't remember is, um, three different positions. So one is kind of like you're in kind of like a child's pose, like between child's pose and hands and knees, kind of like an inversion on your knees, um, for a half an hour. And then, laying on one side with your leg propped up on several pillows up as high as you can get it for a half an hour and then lunging on one side for a half an hour. And then I guess you can repeat it if you want to, but it's not really necessary. So we did that just on the one side. Um, and I, you know, was eating snacks. I was eating fig bars and cheese and crackers. And after that, we took a walk and, you know, my husband was timing contractions throughout the whole thing and being super supportive and getting me snacks and rubbing my back and, He's rebozoing me in the, in the inverted position too. And, um, we took a walk after that. I didn't get very far because I feel like every single contraction I had to pee so bad. Like mm -hmm. it was just pressing on my bladder. So I ended up just walking kind of back and forth in front of my house. Um, and we did some curb walking as well. And then at that point I was getting a little discouraged. I was like, well, what if this is just like prodromal labor? What if, you know, cause they weren't getting, 
they were still more intense than they had been, but they weren't getting like longer, stronger, closer together kind of thing. And I realized that if I stopped whatever I was doing, they would space out, not a ton, but like they would go from every two to three minutes to every like four to five minutes, maybe. So, um, my, friend from work was texting me and she was like, if you can rest, like if they space out a little bit, try to get some rest. And I was like, no, I have to go into labor. I have to, I want to do this tonight. Otherwise I'm just gonna be miserable. She's like, no, try to get some rest. So we did. And I slept for probably, well, kind of slept. Um, I feel like, you know, I would doze in between contractions and stuff. Um, but I was able to get like at least most of the way asleep. Um, so I slept for like three and a half hours until, um, I woke up and I like my contractions were waking me up. I was kind of like moaning through them now. I couldn't stay quiet. I couldn't get comfortable and I couldn't sleep in between contractions really either. Um, so I just felt like, okay, these are a lot stronger now and they're not spacing out. They're consistently every two to three minutes. Um, and I went, I, this is kind of weird, but I can check my own cervix. So I checked my (laughs) cervix just to see, cause I'm like, if I didn't make any change, then I want to stay here for a little bit longer. So I had made a little bit of change, but I just could feel like a bulging amniotic bag. So I was like, okay, we got to go. Like now we're going to go. So I texted my girlfriend. It was like, um, four 30 in the morning at this point. So I called her and I was like, Hey, I'm going in. She's like, okay, I'll meet you there. Um, and we, my husband at that point was like, okay, I'm going to hop in the shower really quick. I'm like, we've been doing this for like nine hours. I didn't, you haven't showered this entire time, but he takes really quick showers. So he got in the shower, he got everything in the car. We were listening to our playlist in the car. Um, the contractions were still, you know, intensifying. I was, you know, breathing really hard through them at this point. I called the charge nurse that was on, let her know that I was on my way. Um, and when I got there, I went straight into a room. They did my whole admission process. We got that first dose of antibiotics in. I was on intermittent monitoring, which I loved because I could do all of the different positions and not have to worry about them being able to trace the baby. Um, And I knew that I wanted an epidural because I didn't want to go through that whole process with the tearing and everything at delivery. If that were to happen again, I didn't want to go through that process. Um, without an epidural, but I wanted to be able to handle contractions more and progress more in labor because the last time, um, I pretty much got the epidural, like my water broke at four centimeters and then contractions started coming hard and I got the epidural within like an hour. So I wanted to be able to handle more of, um, the labor process. So we had been, I'd been laboring at home for like, by the time I got to the hospital, I'd been laboring for like nine hours. Um, And I tried the nitrous oxide, which I'd always wanted to try because it was never available to me with my first one. And I, you know, recommend it to patients, but I've never tried it. So I was always really curious about it. So um, I spent a lot of time in hands and knees using the nitrous. I got in the bathtub for a little bit at the hospital as well. Um, My doctor, so I had texted her the night before when I had gotten home from work and told her, I think that things are progressing. Like these contractions feel different. Um, I'm laboring at home now. I'm okay, but I'll let you know. Um, if I decide to go in, she had gone to her property on the Island. So you can only get there by boat. And she was like, I just need, you know, a certain amount of time, like heads up before, you know, for me to make it there. So I told her when I was going to bed and, 
then when I woke up at 4.30, she wasn't texting me back. I tried not to stress myself out about it because I loved the provider that was on as well. Um, so I was like, if she makes it, she makes it. If she doesn't, she doesn't. Um, but finally, once I got a hold of her, she was like, you know, I'm so sorry. Like I, I couldn't get to sleep last night because I kept thinking that you were going to text me and that I was going to have to rush there. So by the time that I did fall asleep at like 3am, I was completely zonked. So she did end up making it. But, um, so anyways, around six twenty in the morning. So this is one of those things where like, the more, you know, I feel like the more that I knew as a labor and delivery nurse and just like the unit kind mm. of, I felt like I could have postponed getting the epidural a little bit longer, but my favorite anesthesia doctor who does amazing epidurals was off the clock at seven in the morning. And a not so favorite anesthesia doctor was on the <laughs> clock at seven in the morning. So my, um, labor nurse was like, listen, you know, he's do you, what, how are you feeling? Do you want to do it before he goes off the clock? And I'm like, yes, which at that point I was in a lot of pain and I felt like myself look kind of starting to like lose control a little bit. Um, but I got the epidural and it didn't take at first. It was like, I was feeling everything on one side only. And that caused a lot of anxiety because I'm like, I see this happen and it can take forever for women to get comfortable when that happens or, um, or sometimes they have to replace the whole catheter and put it back in. Um, but he, stayed after his shift to make sure that I was comfortable and everything and ended up being a, probably too good of an epidural. But, <laughs> um, so I got the epidural, I was able to take like a two hour nap. And all this time I just thought like, my doctor's not coming in. We can't get a hold of her. It is what it is. Um, but then I kind of, I woke up from my nap and my nurse was like, she just texted me and she sent us this picture of her in this little silver dinghy, like driving across the ocean in a boat. It was like, <laughs> I'm coming for you. I love it. So, yeah. So she did make it. So that was great. And, um, when she got there, she was like, what, how are you feeling? Do you want to keep napping? Do you want me to break your water? Are you ready to meet your baby? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you can go ahead and break my water. She's like, we'll break your water. We'll let you get another nap and then we'll see how it goes. Um, so she checked me and I was nine at that point where I think when I got the epidural, I was six to seven. Hmm. Um, so she checked me and I was nine centimeters. Uh, she broke my water and like right when she broke my water, she was like, he's like coming down. And then she said something funny and I laughed and she was like, you're like laughing your baby out. Like <laughs> she's like, you, I mean, you can take a nap if you want, but like, you can, we can have a baby right now. Like, are you ready to meet your baby? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I just got a nap. I feel great. I can't move my legs at all, but like help me. They yeah. had to like help undress me because it, the epidural was so dense, but, um, I was super comfortable and I pushed like one time my girlfriend videoed it and I had a mirror and, um, two of my close work friends were in there and my doctor and she let my husband deliver the baby and everything was just wonderful. I mean, he came out, we did skin to skin. He was perfect and crying and he latched at the breasts right away and it was just wonderful. That's and everything really after that, yeah, I had a 24 hour stay in the hospital and everything was routine and normal and everything was just perfect. I was like on cloud nine. 
So did you have any tearing or anything similar to what what you experienced with the last birth? I did. And I think it was because he, not anything near what that was. I think the third or the first time I had it, like my doctor at the time called it a third and a half degree tear. So almost like the worst tear that you can have. Um, And that was horrible. It was so painful. And I was having to use pad sickles and take oxycodone for like two weeks. It was horrible. Um, But this time I had a second degree tear. I think it was because he came down so fast and there wasn't a lot of time to like let, you know, everything stretch out and everything like that. Like I said, I pushed one time. Um, I pushed on my side. That was another thing. My doctor, like after she once we decided like, yeah, let's have the baby. She was like, okay, what position do you want to push in? You know, she didn't automatically turn me over to my back. So I pushed on my side. Um, I had a second degree this time, but it was totally manageable and, you know, ibuprofen and witch hazel did the job. And so a much better experience there as well. That's awesome. Um, will you take me back a little bit um, towards the beginning of your story where you were talking about those first contractions and whether you were still at work or once you were home and working through them and doing some of those exercises? What did you use or what did you do that made you more comfortable or able to work through them? What did you intuitively do? Was there like swaying and breathing? Tell me a little bit about how you handled contractions. So the bath helped a lot. And I was so mm-hmm. happy that I was able to use that because with my first, they, they brought me in for an induction and I asked them, okay, can you break my water instead of doing the Pitocin? Cause I was already favorable and everything. And they were like, sure. But they never told me that once your water is broken, you can't get in the bathtub. So I was never able to utilize that with my mm-hmm. first. And so I loved sitting in the bathtub with my essential oils and listening to my playlist. I Mm. love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And so the Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy soundtrack was my labor playlist. That's amazing. I love that. I loved it. And, and then we also, um, I liked keeping moving felt really good. Like I never felt like, at least at that stage of my labor, I never felt like this is making it hurt more or, um, I don't know. I just really liked to keep moving. So like the walking and the curb walking and, um, we did the birthing ball as well. So I sat on the ball and kind of leaned over my bed on some pillows that felt really good too. Um, and having my husband put counter pressure on like my lower back and my hips. Mm. Cause I feel like once contraction started getting more intense, it felt like somebody was like opening up a vice inside of my hips. It was so painful. So that mm. really helped as well. It's a very detailed, good description of kind yeah. of what, it, what is happening inside of there. Like I remember yeah. like thinking like, please stay together body. Like don't right. do anything weird and like bust open. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird sensation. That's what it feels but that like. counter pressure is huge. So mm-hmm. were there things that you did? Like, did you practice this before? Did you tell him where to put his hands and all the things or like, how did he know what to do? We did. We practiced it before. And I kind of told him in the, in the moment too. So, um, you know, I, I told him what to do. He never really, um, I guess I wasn't to the point yet where I was like, silence, I can't talk to you. You just need to know Mm -hmm. what I need. You know what I mean? So I told him in the moment too, but, but we did practice that beforehand as well. That's awesome. All right. Talk to me a little bit about your postpartum. Um, because it sounds like it went well, but also you're in Florida and there was a hurricane. <laughs> I'm like, oh. what? <laughs> so the first four weeks of my maternity leave were so magical. And it was like, 
you know, I had this beautiful baby that I just could stare at all day long. My husband was off work too. He was just like waiting on me hand hand and foot and telling me how beautiful and amazing I was. And then the hurricane happened and it wasn't supposed to be that bad. I mean, we weren't even in the, um, you know, the cone or whatever. Um, I just had a weird feeling. I don't know what it was, but I just had a weird feeling that we were, I was trying to get, I was trying to convince my husband to evacuate because when Irma came, that's what we did. We evacuated all the way up North to Indiana to spend time with family. So I was, and I wanted to do that because, because the hurricane was coming, my family's flights got canceled. So they couldn't come that they had had planned to come visit and they couldn't. So Mm. I was trying just because I wanted to go see my family. I was like, let's go. Like, it's going to come here. It's going to come here. We need to get out of here. He's like, no, it's not. We're not in the cone. Like we're not gonna, it's fine. Um, he's like, and I asked all of our neighbors and nobody flooded with Irma and it's going to be fine. We're on the hospital grid. Cause there's a hospital right next to us. It's like we're on the hospital grid. So if we lose power, it'll only be for like a day. But we did flood. It was re- well, we didn't flood really bad, but I mean, the hurricane itself was obviously devastating to our entire area. Um, we flooded a little bit, but enough, I mean, a little water can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, were you actually, in the home when the hurricane hit. No, we went to my in-laws just up the road because we have hurricane windows, but we don't have the shutters. So I didn't want to see the hurricane happening Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and not be able to shut it off. So we went there because they have, you know, the roll downs, everything's like a fortress. So I actually didn't really see the hurricane at all while it was happening. Um, But our downstairs, thankfully we have a two-story house. So half of our house Mm. was still inhabitable, but they had to rip out all of the flooring, the cabinets, um, a couple of feet of drywall. Um, and so our house was like a warehouse. It's finally put back together after like three months, but our house was a warehouse and with a newborn and (laughs) that was challenging, but we did. So after the hurricane, we ended up being without power for like six days. So we got in the car. Mm -hmm. So we got in the car and my in-laws had a generator and we were there for like two days after, but we packed up the kids and we got in the car and we drove all the way to Indiana. So, um, to see family. So we drove like 20 hours, um, with a newborn and that actually was, he was great. He slept like the entire way. So, so we didn't, yeah. So we didn't have to deal without power with a newborn, but that's good. And I was super how, thankful for like breastfeeding and not having to worry about formula. Uh, yes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, how is your, I don't know how it was the first time, so I don't know what you have to compare it to or if that was good or bad or whatever, but how do you feel like postpartum your emotions and mood and stuff was um, both births if you want to compare for a moment? I feel so much better. I felt so much better this time around. Like I was on cloud nine. I felt like everything was so much easier. And it's hard to say whether or not that was just because it's your second kid. So you kind of have an idea what to expect or because I'm just older and more like established. Like I said, when I got pregnant the last time I had just graduated college and we were 23 years old. And so that could have played a part as well. Um, But I think a lot of it had to do with like the steps that I took to prepare myself, um, gave me a lot of, gave me a better experience and then an easier recovery afterward. And I never had any 
feelings of, I don't even think I had like the baby blues. I was just on cloud nine. I was so happy with my experience. I was like, I want to do this again. My husband said, no, he's like, no more kids, but (laughs) he, yeah, he's, he's like that ship has sailed. He wanted more years ago, but I feel like if I would have known that it could be so easy and so enjoyable the second time around, I would have done it a long time ago. Oh, that's so interesting. And I love that you're sharing that because I hope other women hear that and that can play a part in their birth stories too. Yeah, me too. Because I feel like, yeah, because maybe then I would have had a third if I would have done it, you know, when I was had a second when I was a little bit younger. So it's interesting how, but my first experience played a part in me not wanting to have another one because it was so like traumatic and, and the recovery and adjusting to postpartum life and everything that at that point was so difficult, but it was just so much easier this time around. I have to say, it's pretty neat that even though that first time had some like obviously really rough stuff from it, that it still like catapulted you into what you do today. And like all the serving of the women that you've done for the last nine years, I'm just like astonished and so grateful for people like you and for the work that you do. Um, So I think it's neat that even and I feel the same way, like if my first birth wouldn't have gone the way that it did, I wonder if I would have taken the time to become so educated and knowledgeable and serious about, you know, future pregnancies myself, um, and found such a passion for it. So I, I just love that it can do that. And that, um, there are people, you know, within the industry that are feel called to it and are doing the loving work of like helping women through such a sacred time in life. So that's so neat. And I love that you are surrounded by a ton of people just like you, (laughs) other, um, other nurses and stuff that you can count on. And it's just such a neat circle of life. I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, birth is life changing. So, you know, if you have a good experience or a bad experience that can definitely shape your outlook on things and make you want to get involved to shape that experience for other women. So, yeah. Okay. I love to end these birth story episodes with your best advice for moms and best advice for dads. So best advice for moms, um, take your childbirth course and listen to your podcast and do all of the things, make it a priority to prepare for your birth. I think I heard, I don't know if it was on your podcast or another podcast, but somebody made the comparison, um, you know, how not a lot of women prepare for their birth, but they prepare for an entire year for their wedding. They plan this, you know, elaborate wedding, they put all of their time and energy into it, but not so much for their birth. I think that birth is just something that happens, but treat your birth like it is like you're preparing for your wedding, you know, take that entire nine months to really, um, prepare your body and your mind as well. Um, and then for dads, I would say kind of do the same thing. I mean, I mean, that's, I, I felt so supported from my husband just from, um, reading the books and incorporating some of the things and things that he would read, he would bring it to me and be like, Oh, would you like this? Like, um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He actually, it was so sweet for our, um, we went away for our anniversary in July and he, for our anniversary gift, he asked me to pick a doula. And I was like, that is so sweet of you. That's so cool. <laughs> and I think I would have taken him up on it. He'd already, he had called two different doulas in our area and like interviewed them. And then no wanted way. me to pick. Yes. That's yeah. amazing. And I think I would have taken him up on it, but I'm like, I feel like with what I do, I love doulas, love working with doulas, but I'm like, I, with what I do, I feel like the, our, cause doulas are expensive and we had to build like an entire nursery from scratch. So I'm like, I feel like the, <laughs> you know, thousands of dollars or whatever could be better 
put to something else just because of the background that I have and my nurse friend that labored me as a doula too. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for getting back on here and sharing your birth story with everybody. I know it's going to inspire tons and tons of moms. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel like I owe it all to you, the experience that I had. Well, and your work and all the things that you do. It's pretty incredible. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.